This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. Time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? Uh, A little frazzled, but other than that, I'm doing just getting to where I need to be. (laughs) A little crazy this morning, but good. We're all good. 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 So, yeah. um, I was going to say something about the frazzling, but I, <laughs> I think it's, it's essentially because uh, the, earlier this week was a full moon. You think? And, uh, yeah, and then, then we had the hurricane right in the middle of the full moon, which also meant that the high tides were very high. So, it was just one perfect storm. It really was, literally and figuratively. So here we are. And uh, did you have any damage from the storm? Um, thank God, no, because I was worried about my cellar because my basement, because of the, you know, it's an old Dunmore basement and it yeah. sometimes gets water. And what saved us, I think, was the fact that it was so dry for so long that the water just didn't even sink in. It just kept going down my driveway. Um, there There was the next day on yesterday morning, I could hear a little bit of my sump pump going mm-hmm. just a little, little bit. So, uh, there, But there was no water in the basement, thank God. So. Good. Just gets it like in the one corner in the back. Yeah. And um, that's why I have the sump pump back there. So, anyway. Well, it was we, good. we I had, had a couple, couple trees, like tree limbs. Yeah, I was like just going to say tree yeah. limbs and stuff. But um, did you lose power at all? No. No, we didn't did either. You? Thank God, no. no. Okay. That's a major event up here because mm-hmm. it's very often that minor storms uh, produce that. But apparently after there was some big event, I want to say maybe two or three years ago, where people lost power and the uh, PP&L company came up here and installed uh, a bunch of new lines. And 
this would have been the test, you know, that it it doesn't, nothing happened. And so, yay. That's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it rained. Of course, it was raining in the morning. And then right as I had an appointment at 1 o'clock, so as I was leaving my house at quarter of 1, it came down like, you know what, and yep. it was blowing, you know, and then. That's what it's, Yeah. Right, so that's when it started getting out, and then it rained till I I don't know three thirty or so, and then it, then it just the sun was out and it was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, was, we were back at my deck that night. We were back right back out. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah, we did too. We had dinner outside. It was not bad. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a um, pretty night, and yesterday was gorgeous. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Before I forget this, I wanted to do a shout-out to a woman named Mary, who we've talked about before. Mary's a dental hygienist at Dr. Andrew Taylor's office in Clark Summit, and she retired. And she used to listen to us every morning when she would drive to work on Saturdays. She lived in the Back Mountain, and so she had quite a a drive. And she would catch the first half hour of the show, and then she was at the office and she started to work. But I just wanted to wish her a very happy and successful and healthy retirement and much fun. So thanks, Mary, for listening. And now she she can listen to the whole show. She doesn't have to stop. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. she can. So if she is listening, thanks, Mary. Hope you continue mm-hmm. to listen. Yep. So what else talking, is going on? Well, I was talking to Phil Condren the other day, and he said something. He goes, yeah, I listen, Laura. So because um, he said something, I said, oh, and he said, yeah, see, I listen too. I said, okay. So we could shout out to Phil. He's one of my buddies. Uh-huh. I think I told the story. I always call him Dude. And um, because he's so far from the look of anyone calling him dude, but we were at a chamber board meeting once, and um, yeah. he, this young guy got up and he was talking. He's like, you know, hey, dude, what? Do you, not to Phil, but in general. And Phil kind of like like looked at me like, oh, what did you? And so I <laughs> winked at him and laughed. And so I just keep calling him dude now. That every time I talk to him, I'm like, hey, dude, what's up? Because it's so far from what he would say, you know. Oh, yeah. And the other day when I was talking to him, he said something about social, doing something. And he said, um, I think I'm just going to call you Pearl Mesta going forward. And I said, oh, I said, that's such a nice thing because Michael Luzzi used to call me that. And I never knew who the heck she was. And I said, who is Pearl Mesta? <laughs> and he he said, John F. Kennedy, social director. I'm like, oh, or social secretary, whatever she was. I said, okay, I'll take it. So he when I call him dude now, he says... Hello, Pearly. Pearl. <laughs> Pearly. He even made a Pearly. So, um, oh. yeah, it was funny. So, big shout out to Phil. And yeah. um, what else? Uh, I was going to tell you. Oh, I have to tell you, I spoke, was talking to Donnie Rinaldi this morning. Um, did you read in the newspaper about the, you know, the lace works and the yeah. renovation and all the work uh, yeah. and the things they've, the Times did a beautiful story the other day, front page of all of the things that they're unearthing behind, mm-hmm. the, you know, oh my God, beautiful things. That place, the, you know, from the, the clock tower to the clock to the, um, 
the stairs and the and the um, arch windows and uh, it's beautiful. So I you know I read the whole story and I just love it because I'm thinking you know that place Lynn is where it's located in Green Ridge. You have. You're so close to everything, everything. The river's behind you. You have the farmer's market down the road, of course, during the the months from July to November. You have all of the other stuff on the, you know, on the main drag and uh, stores. And, and then right up the road is, is Green Ridge in a great location. And then the, the Hollywood section of Dunmore, beautiful homes and all these right in the middle of a city, you know, and it's... Um, I just think it's going to be wonderful. All the things he's planned, I just said it's 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 going to be great. And I love that intergenerational kind of stuff. It's not just a, an mm-hmm. older folks. It's everybody's included. Community gardens, all the stuff that's going to happen. I think it's going to be fabulous. So I called him to tell him I I was been watching it since he that whole thing started. And I go by there several times a week, and. Um, I just, I love it. I think it's great. The fact that it's lace and, you know, so feminine in its way and, and just all mm-hmm. the women and, and people who have worked there. And I said to Donnie, if you, he's like, Larry, it's amazing when you stand there and think, oh my God. I said, yeah, because think about if those walls could talk. Yeah. And the families that those, that, that factory has, has supported through all those years. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just a great piece of history. And, and I just, you know, it's just so good to read this kind of stuff when, when, you know, you see progress and it's been, you know, going on a long time. So it's, it's yeah. good. And I remember too, when my mom used to wait for the sale because oh, yeah. they, they had a lot of the irregulars that they couldn't sell and the irregularities were uh, almost imperceptible. Tell. Right. But it, it was interesting that she would wait and you could buy them for $10. And the mm-hmm. lace, and it just felt fabulous. And it just was one of those things that became um, a tradition in the area that a lot of the women would wait for that sale and go over there in droves and buy all these fabulous pieces of work. And it, it truly was. I mean, it was real lace. It wasn't synthetic stuff. No, so it, it was it, I real love stuff. lace. It, beautiful, beautiful things. I mean, just so I just love that whole idea of that. You know, it's a factory, but it's a very feminine one. You know, it it just mm-hmm. exudes that kind of prettiness. You know what I mean? It's just got that sophistication about it all, and I I just think it's going to be beautiful when it's done. Wow, what a place! I would so, like to uh, see the plans for it. I mean, uh, as far as the apartments that are there and the community uh-huh. gardens and all the other stuff that's there to do, I think that would be wonderful. Uh, yeah, it really be would wonderful. be. So hats off to the Rinaldi boys and um, yeah. we'll see how it all works out. But I, I'm, I just think it's going to be great. Yep. And that a was quick a nice walk story. right to the farmer's market, Lynn. Yes, I know. How convenient. <laughs> I know. Very convenient. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And now that they've done so much work on the Lackawanna River, um, right. that river is probably going to be wonderful. You know, I mean, just to be able to do things, to sit by the river is great. So, yeah. And you're I right. It's, it's right a, there, right behind it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yep. And now all we need to do is bring back the village ice cream parlor where Meyer worked <laughs> right well, around the corner where was that? that on Larch Street. Oh, it was on it Larch was, Street? 
Yeah, I think it was. I think it was large. But I just remember that we used to stop there with my dad when we went to Shouts, where he played baseball three times a week. Mm-hmm. And so we would go, right after dinner, we would go with him, and there was a playground back there for, for kids. And it would never pass muster today. There was just no way. that It was just totally um, not safe for kids. I mean, you had... Uh, I think it was something like uh, macadam on the on the the ground. Yeah, so you tell, <laughs> you, nothing. There's nothing like there is today. But anyway, after we finished the game, very often he would drive that way back through uh, Green Ridge and and stop at this village ice cream parlor, and we'd all have wonderful treats, and then we'd go home. So it was always worth it for us to go to to hang out with with my father when he was playing because none of us were really interested in watching the game at all. Yeah, you just wanted the ice cream on the way home. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, or the candy. I know. But the fun part was the candy store, the candy place, uh, was all the way near the front where you would walk in. So you really had to make sure when you went there, you had a laundry list for all the other kids, and you had quarters and dimes and nickels and you had to bring it back in a box and then redistribute it to the kids because it was quite a hike. And and the right. thing is, a lot of the parents didn't want you to do it because they couldn't keep an eye on you. You know, that was the hardest part. If they saw you in the playground, you were within the line of sight of anybody who was out on the field or in the bleachers. But this was quite a hike, and, and there were a bunch of scary characters floating around there. But anyway, it was fun, and I I just think that it would be so nice if there was such a thing as the Village Ice Cream Parlor. It was just a lot of fun. Maybe we need to talk to the Mannings and have them bring it back. Put one down there, yeah. Well, yeah, and as you fun. know, my what does he say, that he worked there one year and he was playing football <laughs> for Central, and he was one, yeah. one he had one position, and after a, a, a whole... Um, summer of eating all kinds of ice cream he became another position which required more heft (laughs) yeah from a running back to a linebacker whatever it was yeah i forget what (laughs) yep that's what they say well that's always ice cream yeah yeah well we are going to take a quick break and uh we'll be right back so please stay tuned you're listening to laurie and lynn show it's saturday morning with laurie and lynn now Back to Lori and Lynn. Good morning. My name is Lynn Evans. (laughs) Let me finish. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. My, My name is Lynn Evans. I am Managing Director and Financial Planner with Women of Substance, LLC. That's a financial planning firm. Um, in Clark Summit, that's specifically devoted to the needs of baby boomer women. And I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, and that's available on Google, um, t- not Google Tunes. It's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify, and others. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. Yeah, so I had some funny articles. They're, they're funny, but they're 
they're really poignant at the same time. And uh, this one I thought was interesting. This is from, um, I think it was AARP. I'm not sure right now because I copied and pasted. But um, I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. Absentee grandparent, grandparenting during COVID-19. This is really an interesting subject because those of us who remember having grandparents can really relate to this in a lot of ways that kids today can't because unless they were close, like you and I had grandparents who lived in the same town and it was very easy for us to be around them and be with them. But today, that's not the case. And so many grandparents live far enough away that the only contact you have with them may be occasionally on holidays. And now with FaceTime and things like that, Zoom, we're able to reconnect with those parents. But the COVID-19 thing for people who used to physically be with their grandchildren has been a real problem for a lot of people, uh, both for the kids, the parents, and the grandparents. And this guy, um, J.W. Freiberg, wrote something called Absentee Grandparenting During COVID-19, Some Suggestions. He said, I'm fairly confident that I have a grasp on the role parents play in the emotional development of their children. All that parental hugging, kissing, soothing, and teaching imprints, biochemical neural pathways in the child's brain that will both equip and motivate the child to later reach out to others to form its own caring, nurturing relationships. In other words, human parents actively train their young to search out and form lasting, rewarding connections with others, to befriend and to love just as certainly as we see each other, so certainly as we see other animals train their young in the skills they will need to stay nourished and safe. But I've been asking myself for years now, precisely what role do grandparents play in the lives of their grandchildren? Clearly it's an important one, but is this something more than just being one of the early stepping stones in a child's expansion of trust from their mother to their father to their siblings to their grandparents and then later to friends outside the family. I read the research and could find, I could find on the topic, but remained almost entirely in the dark. And then my four-year-old grandson taught me what I sought to understand. For the year leading up to our COVID-19 imposed separation from one another, I had watched him work hard to understand the meaning of what my son explained to him. Grandma is, Grandpa is my daddy, just like I'm your daddy. It took a couple or more of these discussions before my little guy understood, which I learned that he finally did, because within a week of grasping what his father had explained, he asked me on a FaceTime call, so did you have a daddy too? 
<laughs> so cute. What he taught me was that just as it takes two points to define a line, it takes two generations to define a lineage. That's what grandparents provide. Roots, heritage, tradition, the ways of a family. That is what my little grandson was searching for with such determination. As for so many other grandparents, COVID-19 continues to block off our visits to one another for the time being. His reaction? He asks for FaceTime visits, to my great delight. Even wild energy typical of a four-year-old boy, he has been clear in his requests for FaceTime visits that he is actively interested in staying linked to me and to his other grandparents, of course. Somehow, even at his young age, when he's working hard to find the patterns and the myriad complexities that give order to social life, he has grasped that grandparents are of enormous importance. He couldn't explain why, of course, but he taught me how to do so. It is grandparents that tether us to the history of our families, providing us with psychological stability the way the roots of a tree hold it firmly upright, even in hurricane force windstorms. And it was thanks to this little boy that I finally arrived at understanding why, during the ferocious wildfires that flattened entire neighborhoods of Santa Rosa, California in 2017, the press reported that two things residents invariably grabbed when faced with only five minutes before mandatory evacuation were their pets and their family photo albums. During this COVID-19 days of isolation and separation where parents are forced to figure out how to deal with full-time presence of their children, grandparents must deal with their total absence, except for FaceTime, Zoom, and the like. And from what I understand, even in the coming months when we grandparents can finally again be in the proximity of our grandchildren, we will be masked and barred from holding, kissing, and embracing our little ones. Disqualified from the somatic part of the grandparental input into those neural pathways of connection. And what to do, what might help? Here's this guy's idea. First of all, upgrade those phone calls to FaceTime, Zoom, or the equivalent. The importance of this goes far beyond the delight we feel in seeing our little ones faces and antics. It has to do with what psychologists call mirroring. The skill we, along with many other animals, develop in order to be able to read the intentions of those we interact with. Think about when you startle a feral animal, how they hold perfectly still, staring at you, concentrating on your body language, desperately trying to determine if you are an active predator. We humans, of course, greatly refine this process, searching to sense subtle details about the other party's inner emotional state. Little children are busy honing these important mirroring skills, and it's critical for them to see your loving smile and evident delight as they describe to you their activities and feelings. Second idea. I like this one. Choose gifts that provide continuity opportunities. That is, things you can add to. Some examples would be a shell 
or a nature collection that you can add to as you find new items to add to the collection, or a set of books that you can gift one by one. Or give your grandchild an object that has family significance. Even it comes with the instruction that this is not a toy, but something to be carefully treasured. A long, long time ago, it belonged to my grandmother. Both the serial gifting into a set and the gifting of a family heirloom serve to emphasize the permanency and continuity of family connections. And the third idea, tell family stories. If there's one thing you and your grandchildren share, is that everyone loves a good story. And if you have photographs of earlier generations of your family to share, all the better. But bring them to life by recounting some engaging family story from the past. I plan to share with my grandson a photograph of my own grandfather and tell the story of how when I was about nine and happened upon a coiled snake in the hayloft of his barn, I ran all the way back to his house imploring his help. I can still remember the sound of his laughter when we returned to the barn. My grandpa armed with his 22 rifle. For it wasn't a snake at all, but merely the skin shed by the serpent, long since gone about its business. We each have family stories that keep alive our links to the past, and it's important to transmit them to the next generation. Hopefully, my little guy, when I have shed my skin and am long since gone, will one day tell his grandchildren this very same family story, connect them to their great-great-great-grandfather and to the generations in between. I love that story. That's fabulous. And you know what, Lynn, it, it, you know what an, another neat thing to do, which I don't know that how many people do that, and it's similar to what he said, is creating an album of you, meaning you, the grandparent, yeah. to give, mm -hmm. and different photos to give to them to put in that. I, mean, I know when they're little babies, they're not. But it's kind of a neat thing that the more you're with them, you read them and you tell them those stories. Um, and then yeah. show these photos, because we're always so busy collecting the photos of the new kids and adding yeah. them to ours, at, is that give them yours so they can say, this is me when I was 20, and this is me, and this is, let me tell you what I did and what I didn't do. And now, those are important things for kids to, to do. I mean, we, we do that. We talk about stuff all the time in my house, so this one, that one, and the other one, and stories, and because the Irish are great storytellers. But yeah. the other thing that I think they say, and this is important to this, is, um, that, and I don't know who it is, but they say you die twice. Once when you take your last breath, and twice, and the next time when, you're, when they stop mentioning your name. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the more you continue to talk about everybody and who they are and what they did um it's just important to know that i mean facebook has helped tremendously with um photos of people who you find these things and you put them together and then you send them out and you say hey this is our great great grandfather this is this you know i have a picture yeah. of my my grandmother's um you know i never met my grandfather on my father's side and i but I have pictures of him and his six, five brothers and his mother. And then my grandma Cadden's father, James McDonough. And, you know, I have them together. And you just look and you try to figure out who do they look like? Do they look like this one? Just, mm -hmm. Where does the gene come from? And it's, it's yeah. really important to do that and to have those discussions. That's a great story. Great story. And I, I also it. like the one, too, that uh, there were 
for Christmas, I think I mentioned this on the air, that Hallmark has uh, books where you can record your voice reading the story. Yes, the I love that. Love that. And I did that. Pat and I both did that with a story for Isla. And the funny thing was that she loved the book and lo it's her favorite book. She loves the story. But the thing is that when she first saw us on Zoom and she heard our voices, she had the funniest reaction because she couldn't, she knew that there was something very familiar about it, right. but she couldn't connect it. You know, it's just so funny. Aww. It was really sweet, but yeah, that was great good thing. because, yeah, because then she knows, you know, that there's a connection there and that will go on forever and ever and ever. Like, exactly. And your voice. Yeah, yes. I love it. Okay, That's well, great. we're going to take another quick break, Lynn. We will be right back. Yes, You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show. It's Saturday morning with Laurie and Lynn. Now, back to Laurie and Lynn. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show. I'm Laurie Cadden. I'm the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And my name is Lynn Evans. I am the managing director and financial planner with a company called Women of Substance, LLC. That's a financial planning firm devoted specifically to the needs of baby boomer women. And I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse. That's available on Google Podcasts, iTunes Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and others. So today I thought we would talk about um, an interesting perspective that you've always heard me talk about gray divorce and that it's a big event for, and even becoming bigger um, as we go on, that people are living well into their 90s. And after 30 years of marriage to Mr. Wonderful, they decide it ain't working. So this phenomenon of gray divorce in the United States has, has just tripled in the last uh, 20 or 30 years. So we always talk about that, but we never talk about something that is unique to this, which is how parents of gray divorce can help their adult children. We always think of children in in divorces as being under the age of, of 18 or 21. But um, there is an effect on adult children. Men and women in their 40s, 50s, their parents are saying goodbye. Um, but they don't quite know what to do with all that. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was written by... Um, Carol Hughes and Bruce Friedenberg, who are husband and wife, but they are both um, psychologists who wrote on this subject. And this is very interesting because I never would have even thought about this. Great divorce is burgeoning in the United States and abroad. The prevailing myth is that because adult children are adults, when their parents divorce, they won't be affected. Yet many adult children report that the rupture of the familial bonds that ensue from their parents' divorce shakes them to the core. Of course, most parents want their children to be okay, so this, too, makes it easy for parents and others to believe that since 
adult children with gray divorce are in college or vocational training or already working and building their own lives, they will simply roll with it, get over it, and adapt to the family crisis turning in the wake of divorce. This belief makes it easy for parents to minimize or completely overlook what their adult children are feeling during their parents' separation, divorce, and the ensuing years, when for the first time in their lives, their adult children are experiencing their parents not as the accustomed parental unit, but as single parents. Often adult children want to avoid hurting their parents' feelings and complicating their parents' situations, so they refrain from saying what they're feeling. Unaware that their feelings are valid, they often suffer in silence, internalizing their pain and feeling isolated. They become the invisible children of gray divorce. So here's what you can do to help adult children. Number one, understand that your adult child is grieving and be patient with him or her. Divorce brings with it many losses. The losses for your adult children are many the loss of constancy and continuity of their nuclear family, their parents' love, their intact extended family and support systems of family, friends, and community, decades-long family togetherness and family memories, their own identity that grew from their formative years when their family was together, their dreams about future family celebrations, traditions, and rituals, such as graduations, weddings and births, their family home that was the family's nest, a place to bring their own children, if they have children, to share where they grew up and their parents united as grandparents. Younger adult children often lose financial support from their parents. Both younger and older adult children may lose emotional support from their parents when their parents become less available to them because their parents are experiencing their own life crises, replete with pain and losses. Grieving takes time, often a lot of time, realize and accept this. Number two, avoid conflict and be amicable with your adult child's other parent. In the United States and many other countries, the default divorce process is litigation, which is an adversarial process. It's a win-lose process. Research has found that interparental conflict is associated with feeling caught between parents and young adults aged 19 to 37 and indicates that these feelings are linked with weak parent-child relationships and well-being, irrespective of children's ages. If you choose a family-focused, out-of-court divorce process, like mediation or collaborative divorce, you have the opportunity to minimize the emotional and financial costs that so often accompany litigated divorces. Three, respect the generational boundary lines. Honor the parent-adult-child relationship and know that your adult child may need you to say that you understand that you are still the parent and that your adult child is not your friend, your confidant, your therapist, your dating buddy, or your surrogate spouse. Maintain a firm boundary in this parent-child relationship, even if your adult child doesn't. Sometimes adult children feel guilty and think they should be their parent's confidant, helpmate, or dating buddy. 
it may feel good to be close to your adult child in this way and to think that your adult child understands you. Nevertheless, resist allowing your adult child to slide into this role reversal. Um, yeah. Excellent. Understanding how dating, repartnering, or remarrying can affect your adult child. Avoid, ma avoid making your parent... Your parent <laughs> Avoid making your parents' adult-child relationship contingent upon the, the adult child accepting your new significant other. And avoid insisting that your new partner be involved in all activities with your adult child. Many adult children report that their parents never talk about their previous family lives together. Assure your adult child that you want to spend one-on-one -on -one time with him and you be the one to reach out to him to schedule the one-on-one -on -one time. Reminisce about fond memories so that he knows that you value the family that you had together and that you have not erased his entire family history with you and his other parent. If he is married, schedule time for just three of you to be together. If he has children, schedule time for only his family and you to spend time together. You will always be the parent. Attempt to understand what he has experienced. If your significant other resists such time without her being present, seek professional help for understanding and guidance about blended family issues. It often takes a long time for the new significant other to become integrated into the relationship with your adult children. Be patient. And number five, make your adult children celebratory events about them not about you. Often divorcing or divorced parents who are still hurt and angry with each other ruin these celebrations for the adult children. Even if his separation and divorce was rancorous, remember that once she fell in love and created a family together, that family still exists even though you're divorced. Rather than allowing tension, resentment, and anger to harden like drying cement and become the landscape of your family, Set a goal to eventually attend some of the family celebrations, such as graduations, birthdays, weddings, and grandchildren's performances. Dance together at your adult children's weddings. Sit with the other family members so that your adult children can still feel a sense of family. Giving your family such a gift can go a long way towards healing. Yeah. The end. Yeah. I'm sure you heard a lot in that. Yeah, but you don't always think about um, think about that. You know, you are so worried when they're little, and then by the time they get to those positions, it's so much better to be, and I find my friends who are divorced, and so many people don't talk to one another, and, and the people that I, I find have great relationships with their ex-wife or ex-husband, including with their new wives, wives or husbands, that makes yeah. it so much easier for the... Um, the child, the children, because oh, yeah. everybody gets along to a degree and it works and you should really mm -hmm. strive to make it a little more peaceful um, because mm -hmm. it doesn't change as kids grow older and all of the things that they expect. But, you know, you, so that starts young. But when you do forget when 
when these people decide to divorce at later years, in their later years. It is got to be a big, big difference for someone who's so used to the routine for, say, 40, 45 years of doing the same thing, and now with their children, for that to be uprooted and changed. Um, yeah. It's got to be very difficult. I think, I think it's, it's hard. easier. Um, go ahead. No, I just to say it's easier if they're younger because they grow to know that. Whereas when yeah. you're older and more set in your ways, it's got to be very hard. So I think so. Uh, and I think that the fact that you are already, as I said in here, you're on your own, you're doing your own thing. There, there has always been that sense of um, there's some, there's somebody who's got your back. You know, yeah. you're out on your own, you're an adult. And when that stability disappears from your life, it's very scary. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's part of what they're talking about here. I remember right. um, in my own situation, um, I was not divorced, but my husband was. And so um, there was a lot, a whole lot of stuff that had to go on in building the relationship with a child who was somewhere between the two. You know, he was he was 18 through 21 when I really had an opportunity to know him, and there was all kinds of stuff still being thrown in his path between the two of them, and the lawyers, I would say, were some of the biggest protagonists in all of this. But it worked out fine. You know, everybody yes, seemed did. to have found their little niche and and grandchildren, as I just mentioned, um, have all kinds of grandparents who adore them. Yes. You know, just so think it, it gives you many more to have that uh, adoration, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I look at it. There's so many more people to love you. But, yeah, so... Yeah think about all that it makes it so much easier when you can have a decent relationship with each other and on that note we're going to um, end our conversation for this week so we thank you so much for listening as always we hope you have a wonderful weekend we will see you next week in the meantime be safe and please be nice bye bye this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.